Hello, you're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. This is Jacques Hebert, and I'm excited to have my partner in crime, Simone Terrio-Malaz, back from D.C. How's it going, Simone? Well, I'm kind of back, right, Jacques? Hey, did you miss me? I did miss you. How was how's our nation's capital? It was still there um, when I left, so that's a good sign. Um, how did you do without me? What y'all talk about? Uh, you know, it was really painful. I, I, of course, missed you, but we managed. Uh, we had a really great show on the wildlife that depends on Louisiana's coast. So um, we're glad to have you back. And what are we talking about today? So today we're going to talk about uh, a feature of the master plan called non-structural. So um, we're going to have some folks that helped us out with the state's master plan uh, talk about it from their perspective, and then we're going to have some friends come in uh, with a new effort that hopes to take the ball from CPRA and carry it forward. So hopefully I can catch your wildlife podcast online, right? And then if you can't hear all of us today or want to hear us again, we can hear it online, right, Jack? Absolutely. Just go to MississippiRiverDelta.org slash Delta Dispatches, and you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Google Play, catch up on old episodes, um, and share them. And so obviously today's... uh, um, topic is really important to a lot of people, you know, that are in living in or working in coastal Louisiana, right? How do we make them more safe in the future, given the challenges we've discussed in, in, in previous episodes? So um, you're going to talk to uh, an expert in the first two segments, and then we'll, I'll talk to someone in the third, and then we'll have one of our partners on in the fourth. So I will let you take it away from here. Um, and yeah, looking forward to this episode. Thanks, Jacques. I'll talk to you in a little bit. Today we're joined, we're happy to be joined by another member of the CPRA's master plan team. Andrea Kalinske joins us by phone from Baton Rouge. Andrea has worked on the master plan team for a while now. Uh, She's a veteran at the master plan team, but she's also uh, a coastal scientist and she's in charge of a lot of uh, cool visual things. So thank you for being with us today. We very much appreciate you joining us. Thank you, Simone. I'm happy to be here. So uh, I know you because I've been lucky to work with you uh, on plans like the Flood Risk and Resiliency Bureau, but why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm Andrea Galinsky, and I've worked at CPRA for a little bit over five years now, and my work has really focused on this non-structural planning and the development of the Flood Risk and Resilience Program. I'm also involved in some of CPRA's um, broader outreach and engagement activities, as well. And before we get started, I just wanted to give a shout out to you, uh, the hosts, Simone, uh, you with Restore Retreat. Yeah, let's hear that. (laughs) (laughs) And Jack uh, with uh, Restore the Mississippi River Delta Coalition have been really great supporters of CPRA's work. Um, Simone, you in particular um, have worked with us for a while. You've been involved on our framework development team. Uh, you were involved on a working group that, um, you know, helped to create the Master Plan Data Viewer, which is such a great tool. Um, you are involved with our Flood Risk and Resilience Program Stakeholder Group. And not last but least, you have been a wonderful host for a series of community conversations, which has really helped our agency be able to reach out uh, and um share our plan with more coastal Louisiana residents. So we really appreciate all your work. Well, thank you. It's actually easy to partner with somebody that that I work so well with, and and I think we're both passionate about the same issues. So we talked about, uh, we had Brent on, uh, and we talked a little bit about master plans um, uh, in general, and then we also talked about diversions. But 
this is um, what we want to talk to you about today is a little different piece of this puzzle. And uh, sometimes people call it non-structural. CBRA calls it their flood risk and resilience program. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what that means to you and what that flood risk and resiliency program looks like? Sure. So CPRA is really focused on developing a comprehensive plan that considers both restoration and risk reduction. And the flood risk and resilience program in particular is really looking at how do we reduce the flood impacts to Louisiana coastal communities and specifically the impacts of coastal storm surge. So this type of work um, can be seen as a strong complement to levies and other structural protection measures, Um, but it's a little bit different in the sense that instead of stopping the floodwaters, non-structural projects aim to reduce the impacts of flooding uh, to buildings and infrastructure. So So this... This may sound new to a lot of people as part of the state's master plan, but this isn't this isn't new at all, is it, Andre? No, we um, have are just basically carrying on a tradition that's been going on for quite some time in coastal Louisiana. Um, throughout our history, people have been living in their local environment, building to the local environment. Um, CPRA, in particular, has introduced this. Um, this type of plan in the 2012 Coastal Master Plan, Um, but we've really done some work to advance the program for the 2017 Coastal Master Plan. And we're really proud of um, how we've been able to first um, improve some of the risk modeling and get a much better sense of what um, potential flood risk the coast faces today as well as in the future. We've also been focused on, focused on refining some of the various non-structural projects that we're recommending, and we're focusing on the areas of highest risk. Uh, also, we have, as a state agency, really been working on um, furthering planning initiatives um, with other state agencies and local parishes through various um, groups. And lastly, I'd say we are also really emphasizing local communities more. In particular, we want to emphasize the low to moderate income households that should be prioritized in the state's uh, non-structural project approach. So um, we know, you know, I guess from our point of view, you know, we definitely see the non-structural or flood risk and resilience piece of the master plan is one of the ones that's been more, the most advanced piece in general. So, you know, we want to compliment you on your work there. There has been a lot of, lot of detailed work and thought put into that. So, we it's our turn to thank you. That's some really great work there. So, let's talk a little bit about the flood risk and resilience viewer. That's a really cool tool, huh? It is. This is one of the... Um elements that we're most excited about. This is an interactive viewer where um, anyone can go and you can type in your address and you can get um, various information um, at your location. You can get the flood risk that you face today as well as in the future. You can learn more about the master plan projects that are recommended in your area. 
Um, and you can also get different resources to reduce your own risk as a homeowner or property owner. And that actually is populated with current data, right? I mean, that was something y'all updated uh, in conjunction with the master plan, correct? Correct. So this uh, viewer had initially been created in uh, 2012, and then we updated it to include all of the new data that is being produced as part of the 2017 Coastal Master Plan. So you'll see some of the same type of data that we've had in the past, such as um, the land change data or the flood risk data or the um, economic, economic damage data. But you'll also see some uh, new information, such as the coastal vegetation. So it's a really great resource um, that, you know, residents can take a look at. You can explore these different types of data sets um, by some various environmental scenarios because uh, we don't really know what exactly the future will bring. The coastal master plan process takes into account three different environmental scenarios. We call it low, medium, and high. Um, you can look at the landscape with the Coastal Master Plan as well as without the Coastal Master Plan. And you can look at various uh, periods of time from today up to 50 years into the future. And I'll just make one note that the um, projects that are displayed currently on the viewer, those are all the projects that are recommended by the draft Coastal Master Plan. Those will be updated in the coming weeks as the final plan um, is approved by the legislature. Awesome. We want to talk a little bit more about the uh, viewer when we come back and a little bit more about some resources that might be available. So we'll be back in just a little bit. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. This is Simone Malaws with Restore or Retreat, and we're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I have Andrea Galinsky on the phone from the CPRA and the state's master plan team, and we're talking about flood risk and resiliency program at the CPRA. So welcome back. Thank you for staying with us. <laughs> so I, um, I do have a fun question just to start off this segment. What is harder for you, the kids or your chickens? <laughs> be honest, Andre. Uh, be honest. I'll have to say the kids. Uh, <laughs> the chickens are actually no longer with us. A, we've had a, a fox, actually. Oh, my. Uh, Circle of life, huh, Andre? So, so it's just the kids right now. <laughs> um, I just wanted to uh, finish up what we were saying about the flood risk and resiliency viewer. Um, I just want to stress that it is an amazing tool that the CPRA sought to develop uh, to, to get people information in a way that they really understand and a platform that they're used to. And it is literally as easy on, as to go to the website and to type in your address, your mama's address, your ex-boyfriend's address, uh, to try to figure out their flood risk now and into the future, but also helpful information about master plan projects planned for their area. Um, there's even a, a section on there for resources, too. So, Andrea, if the, you want to talk a little bit more about that resources section? There are, you don't just give the information. You do try to help and guide them to um, some, resource, some resources available. And then the parishes themselves that the residents are in, they can also be resources, correct? 
Sure. Um, we have a series of um, other resources that if you um, are at risk and you feel like you want to learn more, you can look up different um, documents from different st state and federal agencies, uh, FEMA, the LSU Ag Center. Uh, CPRA has also worked to consolidate a lot of information about other federal grant programs that are available. We have a pocket funding guide for homeowners that um, gives people just a sort of brief uh, overview of the various grant programs that are currently out there and uh, the various requirements of them and how they can learn more information. And, and the parishes do a lot of this work on um, themselves, right? So CPRA helped create this this framework, right, um, for, for the entire coast so that parishes looked at these things uh, fairly and evenly. But a lot of the work really does happen on the parish level, correct? Right. That's exactly true. And the CPRA's uh, intent was really to sort of take a coastwide approach, but we know that it's really the local parishes who have the knowledge and the experience uh, to know what their local communities need the most. So, for instance, CPRA might provide some general non-structural project recommendations, and I actually don't think I've um, gone into any detail more about what that is. So, when yeah. CPRA says non-structural project recommendation, that could include um, a couple different things. First, it could be elevation for uh, a residential property. It could also be uh, floodproofing for non-residential properties. Uh, so businesses, a, right? Right, just like a business. And then uh, we also um, consider voluntary acquisition for other residential properties. And I'll just note that all of the projects are 100% voluntary in nature. So, so CPRA would say recommend a, um, a certain project that may include, you know, the elevation of 50 structures or 500 structures or 1,000 structures, but then it's really um, on to the parish who then refines this recommendation and would determine the specific structures uh, to be mitigated. So CPRA isn't or doesn't have a list of structures no um, list of addresses, right, Andrea? Exactly. No. <laughs> so we just have sort of aggregate counts of structures. And so then in the future, depending upon the type of funding uh, that is available and, and how much funding is available, the parishes then take the next step to um, sort of refine those recommendations. And um, we are encouraging them to really take into consideration the um, needs of the low to moderate income properties first, and then they consider um, properties that are primary residences. <clears throat> Can certain properties be grouped together so you have an, an area, area that's really contiguous and seamless and you're taking a holistic neighborhood approach? And then if they have any other local uh, community considerations. 
Yeah. So, um, for example, I think you're very familiar with the part of the world that I grew up in, but Terrebonne, Terrebonne does a lot of home elevations. Um, and this is just to do it, uh, like I said, set up a framework so that, um, you know, neighboring parishes can be similar to Terrebonne and think about priority areas and priority projects so that if and when funding does become available, they already have that jump start. right? They're not spinning their wheels, doing some planning. They already have some areas identified, even worked out a few of the processes like considering low to moderate income first. Um, you know, there are great parishes like Terrebonne and Jefferson and, and some others don't have as much experience. And so this is all try to create a framework to bring everybody up to, um, to even levels. Exactly. And so uh, CPRA is really trying to present that framework and give our recommendations to the parishes. And we would also um, supply them with any data that's produced as part of the um, coastal master plan effort. So we try to give them our, you know, our flood depth data, our economic damage data, so that they can take that um, into account as they're developing, you know, a more refined list that really meets their needs because they're, they're the ones that really know, you know, what structures they um, also think should be a priority in the local area. Right. That's a good point. And, and back, the information is important, too, because, you know, y'all, y'all mine so much data. Y'all talk to parishes. Y'all talk to floodplain managers. Y'all used all that information to af- inform the program work and the master plan. Um, and so you want to be able to, to give that to other people. And I think y'all did the same with the Office of Community Development, um, the state agency, uh, as they worked on a grant program, correct? Um, y'all gave them some of the information that y'all had used in the master plan to help them with some grant work. Yes. So we are really trying to leverage the um, data that CPRA has produced. We um, have helped OCD um, by giving them like our flood risk data and our overall non-structural project recommendations and framework. And they've been able to, in turn, um, you know, build upon that and get uh, grants, say, for the LA Safe uh, project, so that the the state of Louisiana can really take a integrated approach where the agencies are all working together and we're sharing data and we're collaborating and communicating. That's really good to hear about working together. You know, we work so much with the CPRA. It's glad to know that there's other state agencies working together. And I think you mentioned it in the beginning, there's similar working groups, advisory groups, and stakeholder groups that also work together on both issues. And y'all have been able to marry those two issues together. So uh, again, our compliments to you on advancing this. We look forward to following this um, development of this project between CPRA and the Office of Community Development. We want to we want to keep helping you uh, advance this program because of its importance. So uh, we have to wrap up this segment. We are so grateful for you and your participation. Uh, there is um, some information available on the CPRA website, right, Andrea? There's some additional resources through your um, appendices on the master plan. Yes. So if your listeners are interested in learning more about the 2017 Coastal Master Plan, they can check out our website at coastal.la.gov. And at this website, there's lots of great materials here. We have our plan document. We have brochures. We have materials translated into French, Spanish, and Vietnamese. So thank you, Simone, for help with that. Yeah, you're we welcome. Have our uh, flood risk and resilience 
program-specific appendix. That's Appendix E. We have lots of appendices, so you'll have to scroll down to get to that one. That's all some good and, nighttime reading, huh, Audrey? Yes. <laughs> well, uh, thank you. And I, I just want to sure. pl- make one more plug for the Master Plan Data Viewer. I don't Absolutely. think you actually mentioned the website. It's SIMS, uh, spelled C-I-M-S, dot coastal, dot L-A, dot gov, backslash master plan. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us today. We greatly appreciate it. We hope, you have you on, we hope to have you on again soon. Great. Thank you so much. Take care of those chickens. <laughs> Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. This is Jacques Hebert, um, and we are talking about non-structural and home safety uh, topics in relation to future environmental risks. Before the break, in case you missed it, Simone spoke with Andrea Galinsky with CPRA about resources that they've provided, information they're providing homeowners and businesses um, to better understand their future flood risks and measures they can take to reduce those risks. So I'm really excited to have our next guest on the show. Liz Williams is a Coastal Communities Resilience Program Officer with the Foundation for Louisiana. She's deeply involved in a recently launched program, LA Safe, otherwise known as um, Louisiana Strategic Adaptation for Future Environments. Um, Welcome to the show, Liz. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. So, you know, Liz, I know you've been busy. Um, you've been having a lot of community meetings about this program. The governor announced it officially, I believe, in, in March. So can you give our listeners a little bit of an overview of LA Safe and what it hopes to achieve? Absolutely. Uh, so this program is actually an opportunity to more deeply engage with the residents of Louisiana uh, in a design plan and, and sort of build process. Uh, where residents' opinions about how they would like to adapt to these challenges uh, of coastal land loss and opportunities uh, that we're seeing as the coast shifts also, um, where can residents be involved in that process? So through that, we're also seeing uh, a deeper, we're really focused on a deeper understanding uh, within our coastal residents about the risks that we face. Uh, and the natural processes of the Delta system that have really led to some of those um, risks and opportunities to restore the coast, as well as, you know, acknowledging restoration, protection, and adaptation as a three-legged stool. We've spent a lot of time over the years uh, investigating projects uh, and possibilities for for both restoration and protection, but we haven't yet spent uh, a huge amount of time thinking holistically about how communities might adapt uh, and about how those environmental challenges really uh, heighten our existing socioeconomic stressors. So LA Safe provides an opportunity for us to begin working with residents uh, and actually planning for how we'd like to respond to those challenges. You know, that's really great that you all are, you know, um, taking this on. It's such a hugely important issue. So many of us have been affected by, you know, hurricanes and other storms. And we've had folks on the show already that have talked about the changes, the massive changes they're seeing to the landscape and to the coast in their lifetimes, um, which obviously has made us all um, at at greater risk for future flooding and future storms. Um, So can you talk a little bit, I know you're starting kind of with six specific parishes that you're targeting this program for. What are those parishes? And can you talk a little bit about why you're kind of, why you selected those as a starting point? Absolutely. Um, So these six parishes are actually eligible 
uh, for certain federal dollars that are coming down through the state's Office of Community Development Disaster Recovery Unit. These dollars were part of the National Disaster Resilience Competition, uh, where uh, these six parishes were actually eligible for funding because of remaining unmet needs from Hurricane Isaac. So these communities in these six parishes uh, were not able to sort of fully get back on their feet after those storms with the resources that were allocated. Um, and so the state actually won a competition, uh, was, I think, fifth in the nation, um, and ended up winning $92.6 million for two projects, uh, one being the project of the resettlement of Ile de jean Charles, uh, and the other being the $40 million allocated for the L.A. Safe program. Um, so in terms of this first round of L.A. Safe, um, so these parishes are eligible for those uh, those federal dollars because of remaining unmet needs from Hurricane Isaac. And, and so these dollars were actually awarded through the National Disaster Resilience Competition. Um, that's great. And, you know, we're actually going to have some folks, um, some resilience experts um, on the show next week from New Orleans. And I know that, you know, New Orleans specifically got some funding from this from this uh, competition. So it'll be a great follow up to our conversation so, Liz, I know these are obviously really difficult conversations to have. You know, I mean, my family lived in Plaquemines Parish for a while, were affected by storms, and eventually decided, you know, we've had enough, and they, they moved um, further north. So it's never, you know, something that's an easy um, conversation to, to have, to think about the future, to think about, you know, relocating or, you know, potential future challenges. And I know you just wrapped up last night, um, you know, really in-depth comprehensive community meetings across six coastal areas where you were having some of these conversations. So can you talk a little bit about what those conversations were like? How are the community members responding? Absolutely. Um, so these conversations are, are challenging. They're emotional. They're passionate. Uh, the people of Louisiana, we, you know, we love the coast. That's why uh, we live here. And so uh, talking about the very real risks that we're facing and how those risks might increase over time is continually a challenging conversation at every level. Uh, but we have to be straightforward and honest about what those risks and, and realities are and what the projections for the future are. We have to look two generations back and understand sort of how we got here um, historically. But we also have to look forward and think about the opportunities here, think about those coming generations um, and how we can build uh, up on those opportunities now by actually addressing them and thinking strategically about the ways that they are impacting our communities. Uh, the conversations have been very engaging. The residents, um, uh, although at this point we're not yet talking about what projects might be or what programs or policies might actually come from this, we're really at a sort of establishing goals and values across those communities and those six parishes. You know, residents are really interested to think about um, where, you know, the more traditional ways of thinking about reducing risk can also begin to encompass uh, where their communities might see increased job opportunities or uh, better transportation or uh, really maintaining the quality of life that is why they live there. I'll also mention, you know, for many of these communities, the reality is that the people who are making the decision to move are the people who can afford to make that decision in many cases. And lots of folks just want to stay where they are. But what we are seeing is that there are income levels um, and poverty rates income shifting according to to where those populations are, are also changing. Um, and so it's critical for us to incorporate those communities that have 
uh, seen disinvestment already and been marginalized and think about uh, where where they're coming from, but also in that same holistic consideration, think about where they're going to um, and, and whether that's adapting in place uh, or shifting over time. We have to be strategic and, and have those honest conversations. That's, you know, absolutely right. Not everyone has those resources to be able to just, you know, move after a storm like that or to rebuild, you know, in full or, you know, elevate their home. So those conversations are hugely important. Um, can you talk a little bit about the co-design process that you all are using for this program? You know, why it's significant? It is something that's, you know, very um, kind of cutting edge in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so the co-design process is, is uh comprised of four components, a continual cycle of research and analysis and outreach and engagement that feeds back in on itself. Um, And so as we uh, have new and advanced information, how do we incorporate uh, that new data? How do we incorporate the community needs through that engagement process and what those community goals and values are, what residents actually want to see in the places uh, that they live? How, how does that feed back in on itself so with, that we can constantly uh, reach out to more people and actually reach people where they are instead of only asking them to come to us? How do we latch into the things that people love here in Louisiana and, and really um, talk about how these risks, um, you know, we often think of the coast as out there uh, in some places. We think of these issues as environmental ones, um, but these strains are affecting so many aspects of our lives when we see uh, our tax bases change, uh, we see those resources affect um, education and healthcare and infrastructure. Um, And so the co-design process at every level has to incorporate the way environmental strains and stressors, whether they're acute significant events like a major storm or whether they're chronic like the daily land loss that causes your street to flood on a Tuesday because you've got a south wind blowing. Um, you know, we have to incorporate all of those facets and be able to learn more and move on to the next step in a kind of iterative, iterative manner. Uh, that allows us to grow with all of that new information and new input from communities and really values the thought leadership that we're finding across our coastal communities. You know, that that's great, Liz. And if you don't mind, would you mind coming back after the break? I have a few more questions that I think our listeners would really like to, to know more about. But in the meantime, where can people go if they want to learn more about LA Safe? Absolutely. Um, I would love to come back. Uh, please check out the website for the project. It's at lasafe.la.gov. Uh, and we also, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter to find out about the most uh, up-to-date information, how to get involved in the process, uh, and new and relevant uh, things that might be incorporated. Great. And, and when I said come back, I meant right now. So we're going to take a short break and then we're going to talk to you some more right after. But as a reminder, if you want to learn more about the LA Safe program, go to lasafe.la.gov and we'll be right back with Liz Williams after a, a short break. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. This is Jacques Hebert. And for those of you just joining us, we are talking about non-structural work and work to make communities more resilient in the face of future environmental threats. We're joined now 
by Liz Williams, who is the Coastal Communities Resilience Program Officer with the Foundation for Louisiana. Um, she's deeply involved in the recently launched LA Safe program. Uh, Liz, so welcome back. Uh, you know, we were talking a little bit before the break about some of the work you all have done to date in terms of launching this program. Obviously, you've gathered a ton of information and data. You've been, you know, in these communities, having conversations, getting input from the community members themselves. So moving forward, what are some of the immediate next steps for LA Safe? So the next step is that uh, actually at the this last round of meetings, uh, residents have identified where in their parishes they think need, we need to ha- take deeper dives and uh, have more specific conversations uh, in certain communities. Because in each of these parishes, we actually see communities that are maybe on higher, safer ground that are seeing their populations grow. Uh, and we see communities that are in those more low-lying areas that are seeing the land wash away next door uh, and actually seeing people migrate. And that's a kind of gradient. So residents have actually identified where the next round of meetings needs to be held. Um, And so we're gathering all of that input and we'll be putting out soon the most up-to-date information on where we're going to be having those next rounds of meetings. But they're going to be smaller meetings uh, in our coastal communities that reach back into that parish level and extend to the broader region. Great. And if, you know, someone may be listening that is in one of these parishes, they want to learn more or get involved, how can people get involved in this initiative? So the foundation is actually providing stipends for residents to participate as table hosts or as facilitators in these conversations. We're going to see uh, the opportunity for more and more residents to be involved, even as presenters uh, and, and leaders in these conversations, um, because the reality is that residents, most, most of the time we hear that they want to hear this information from people they already know and trust their family, their friends, their neighbors, their colleagues. Um, And so for residents who want to be more involved, we do encourage you to go to the website, lasafe.la.gov. You can click how you want to be involved. Do you want to host a meeting? Do you want to be a table host? Um, And we're actually providing those workshops to make sure that uh, residents have that training to be able to guide these conversations uh, and and lead their communities and their existing local networks uh, in how they'd like to adapt to these these, uh, increasing risks. That's great. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of getting the knowledge from, you know, the communities themselves, having active participation, obviously that goes a, a long way. And one of the things people are thinking about, too, is, you know, you don't often realize, I mean, we all hold our collective breaths between the months of June and I guess October during hurricane season. But some of these communities and, and uh, individuals are at risk, you know, all throughout the year from just coastal flooding. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and again, it looks different in different in different places and different uh, communities across these parishes. Uh, but there there are communities that we're working with that that are having to go around and have a caravan of people um, pulling people from their their homes because the floodwaters are coming in just on a sunny day from a south wind um, because of the subsidence rates and seeing that water reach further in. So there are obviously different events uh, that are more catastrophic for larger amounts of people, but uh, we still see those effects on a daily basis. Great. And again, the, you know, kind of no one size fits all approach is so important. And that's why you are going into these uh, individual parishes and communities and finding from out from residents, you know, what their needs are. So in terms of um, where people can go again to learn more, just as a reminder, um, where, what is the website and where can people go to get more information? Go to lasafe.la.gov. 
and you can find out lots of information about the the process. We're actually also going to be uploading the presentations as well as some of the activities that residents have participated in. Also, follow us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Live LA Safe so that you can actually find out up-to-date information on what the newest releases are, as well as relevant pieces that may be connected to this work. Great. And thank you so much, Liz, for being on the show. We hope to have you back on again as um, you know you continue your work and as the program evolves. Thank you so much for having me. Yep. Hey, Giacomo. Hey, Giacomo. Hey, Simone. Uh, welcome back. And so now we have uh, one of our partners, Jimmy Frederick who's communications director with the Coalition to Restore Coastal Louisiana, joining us. And since he's part of our family, Simone and I are going to both interview him. How's it going, Jimmy? How are you, Jacques and Simone? Such a pleasure to be with you guys this afternoon. We're we're doing well. How are you? I'm doing fine. I've got a two-year-old on my leg, so I apologize (laughs) if you hear screaming. (laughs) I feel that way about Jacques sometimes. So, you know, (laughs) he he often misbehaves. So (laughs) So you're not not busy, right, Jimmy? You're just hanging out. (laughs) Talking coastal restoration and CRCL, I'm really happy. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. (laughs) So tell us a little bit more about your event tomorrow night. Well, you know, it is so apropos that you are the one talking to me right now. It was a leading question. It was a leading question. One of the luminaries that we're going to be honoring tomorrow as our coastal champions for our 22nd annual Coastal Stewardship Awards in Baton Rouge. And um, one, we really are thankful that uh, that you're going to be there and that you're one of the one of the folks that were selected to to receive one of our awards. We've got four. Coastal Stewardship Awards that we're going to be giving out, not just to you, but also to Ted Joannon from the southwestern part of the state, uh, Dr. Edward Overton from LSU, Phil Precht, uh, and also, of course, you. And um, it's really going to be a great, it's going to be a great event. It's the 22nd time that, that CRCL has done this, and it really is an opportunity for us to, to really celebrate all the hard work that so many people do, and I know you will be the first to say that it's not an individual award, it's an actual organizational award, it's, a, it's an award that goes to so many people that are involved in, in what you do and what we all do in coastal restoration, and so this is a, an opportunity for us to really celebrate all the things that are happening in coastal restoration, and uh, you know, we're really excited about it. And Jimmy, I know, I mean, speaking of accomplishments and impact on coastal restoration, I know the Coalition to Restore Coastal Louisiana, which you're a member of or, you know, you work for, has been around since 1988 working on these issues. Can you give our listeners a little bit of an overview of the work you do from oyster shell recycling to plannings and other, uh, you know, initiatives? Absolutely, Jacques. And, you know, mentioning the 1988 part, I mean, we've been around the CRCL, uh, the Coalition to Restore Coastal Louisiana, has been around really before coastal restoration was a thing. You know, we really kind of, as an organization, got it started. And one of the things we're going to be doing tomorrow night is honoring one of our founding members for our Lifetime Achievement Award, Rob Gorman. Uh, But with that said, uh, you know, we really do a lot of things. We have a three-pronged approach, in in fact, uh, that we we push science-based action to rebuild coastal Louisiana through outreach, restoration, and advocacy. And it's it's really important about the restoration part, because we bring volunteers out into the marsh with our habitat restoration program and with our oyster shell recycling program to let people not just be a part of restoration, but also to get out and see the, the, the differences and see, the, see the, the fact that, uh, that our coast is disappearing. And when we can get out there and bring, we've brought thousands of volunteers out over the years, 
um, and really make a difference through our plantings. Uh, we do you know beach plantings and, and marsh grass plantings. In fact, we have one coming up on April 22nd, Freshwater Bayou over in Vermilion Parish, which if anybody would like to be involved with, we very much appreciate all you have to do is go to our calendar section on crcl.org. And Jimmy, we really want to have you back on the show to get into a lot of detail about your amazing oyster shell recycling but program. But we got to go. I got to go get my hair done for tomorrow. So. <laughs> yeah, Simone has to get ready. Um, <laughs> it takes a while, Jimmy. You can appreciate that. But, you know, we will certainly have you on again because there's a lot of topics we can get into about all the great work that CRCL is doing. For now, you can go on to crcl.org to learn more about the organization. Congrats to Simone. Have a wonderful Thank night you. tomorrow. Uh, And thank you all for joining us. Next week, we're going to be talking about the coast in New Orleans. This is Delta Dispatches.